Welcome to this episode of Mystics and Skeptics. Now here's your host, Sybil. Hello, fellow humans. Hope you and yours are well, wherever you are. Today we have Rabbi Michael Harvey, Andrew Shatkin, and Ashraf Nubani. Rabbi Harvey serves as a chaplain within the IU Health System in Indianapolis. He also serves as the chair of the Indiana Board of Rabbis. He was ordained as a rabbi in 2015 by the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion. He's the founder of Teach Me Judaism. He currently studies at the Spertus Institute for Jewish Learning and Leadership and hopes to earn his PhD in Jewish studies. Andrew Shatkin is a business and educational consultant, writer, speaker, teacher, lawyer, and founder of The Shatkin Show. He is a prolific writer of law reviews and articles. He's written a number of religious philosophical books, including essays on the Christian worldview and essays on faith, culture, politics, and philosophy, which are widely available at university libraries. Andrew Shatkin recently published a fifth book called The Parables of Jesus, a personal commentary. And a number of books are in the planning and writing stages, including a book on the Psalms and a book on the miracles of Jesus. Ashraf Nubani is an attorney, a solo practitioner at AWN Point Law for the past 25 years. He recently published his first book, Bridging the Gap, Islam's Challenge for America, a series of essays contending Islam is a relevant contributor to the free marketplace of ideas. In addition to a law degree and a master's in history, Ashraf is completing a master's program in Islamic religious leadership at Boston Islamic Seminary. He hails from Chicago and has been a Muslim sermon giver for over 35 years. He's preparing to launch Ask a Palestinian, a podcast where the world can hear directly from a Palestinian point of view. So um, Mike, Andrew, and Ashraf, uh, welcome to Mystics and Skeptics. Um, I have a series in the podcast about the lives and humanity of the Abrahamic prophets. And whatever you believe or think of Jesus, he has inspired the formation of the largest religion in the world, the belief that he is the Messiah. And he has influenced the course of human history that can be felt even today. So I welcome the three of you uh, for this discussion about Jesus and for sharing your scholarly perspectives from uh, the three Abrahamic religions. So welcome. Um, let's kick it off with a few questions. I mean, Jesus's life in general is uh, widely known, so we don't need to go over that. But I do want to get to the point and cut to the chase in the interest of time. Um, how does, uh, Mike, let's start with you, Rabbi Mike Harvey. How does Judaism in general view Jesus? Thank you uh, for that question. Um, you know, I'll tell you that when I first announced that I was coming on a show like this and speaking about the character of Jesus, I got mixed reviews because uh, there are some in Judaism, I disagree, of course, there are some in Judaism uh, who believe that we have no business talking about him because we don't believe in him. Um, as a Jewish scholar, a biblical scholar, a Jewish historian, I, you know, I, I could not disagree more. Uh, you know, obviously Jesus has had a profound effect on, and his followers on on Judaism um, from a theological point of view um, and and for other um, issues as well. So um, I'm I'm always happy to speak uh, speak about him and and speak about New Testament. And what I'll say is that um, certainly Jewish scholars and most Jewish lay people um, certainly understand the concept of a historical Jesus, one that most likely is not. Uh, whose life was not very close to that was which was portrayed in the New Testament, but lived in Jerusalem, uh, practiced Pharisaic Judaism, and was um, somewhat of a zealot, a, a strong uh, teacher, uh, got a large following, uh, found himself in a little bit of trouble with the Roman government because of these laws. Rome had governments about uh, Rome had. Um, laws about how many people could follow you. They didn't like insurrectionists. And so we believe that Jesus was most likely uh, among many others uh, during this uh, sort of tense time in the first century um, was crucified by the Romans as would any insurrectionist uh, be at that time. Um, and then what we have outside of the idea of the historical Jesus is the writings of the gospels, which came later. Um, you know, 
uh, with Jesus's three-year ministry, and then um, you know around 30 CE, we're talking about crucifixion. It's not until 40 to 42 years later that the gospels start to be written, and we we give each other the grace of the historical distance, and remember that when the gospel writers are writing, there is a certain amount of agenda, a certain amount of self-preservation in distinguishing themselves from uh, the Jews who had just in 70 um, got their butt kicked by Rome. You know, the temple was destroyed, they were wiped out, so it made a great deal of sense as Mark is writing his gospel, as Matthew was revising it, uh, Luke all the way up to John, uh, that there would be some self-preservation in implanting what Jesus would have said, could have said, um, or claimed to have said, to um, make it so that Rome would pay attention to the common, what we would say, not necessarily an enemy, um, but common issue between the new Jewish Christians and the Roman government. Um, and that's where things start to get complicated and we start to see some anti-Jewish rhetoric in the gospel. And I wanna make sure that I distinguish very quickly with our friends, the difference between anti-Semitic and anti-Jewish. Anti-Semitism, um, which we know the, the, uh, you know the term you know, arose in the 19th century, certainly a hateful, malicious um, you know, um, distaste for Jews and has led to discrimination and horrible things. Um, I don't think that it's fair necessarily to attribute that to uh, lines in the gospel. I would, I would most likely say instead that they are what we would call anti-Jewish. Anti-Jewish doesn't necessarily mean malicious. Anti-Jewish can be pro-Jewish Christian, um, trying to build um, a separation between Jews at the time and Jewish Christians. So of course it would make sense that they would not write so well about those who the Roman government didn't like anyway um, and push their own theology as better. And so I wanna make sure that when, we just, when I make that uh, scholarly claim that parts of the gospels are anti-Jewish, that we don't confuse that with some of the malicious aspects of anti-Semitism. But that's the, that is something that we focus on because those anti-Jewish aspects come through the mouth of Jesus, according to the Gospels. So it's not just somebody saying it, it's Jesus saying it, and there's a great deal of weight that comes on it. So obviously that has profound effects on us from a historical point of view um, that unfortunately led to anti-Semitic attacks for the last 2000 years. But I, that's a little bit of a crash course uh, in terms of where we are in viewing the character, the historical character, and the literary character of Jesus. Okay, we'll probably unpack that a little bit more later. But yes, I'd like uh, to go please do. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to. Uh, thanks, Rabbi. I'd like to go over to Andrew. Uh, how do you respond, and how does Christianity view Jesus? Let me respond with this statement. Uh, many uh, scholars, there is a cadre of scholars who deny that. Um, the words of Jesus, they say they were uh, created by other people and reported by other people. But I say this, uh, I personally have a classical background in Greek and Latin. And I ask uh, everybody here, uh, have you run into, do you think the Iliad or the Odyssey was written by somebody else? Uh, if you look at the books that are published, are you prepared to say, that the person who say they wrote it didn't write it. Uh, by the same token, I'm not prepared to say that the words of Jesus are the words of a lying faker. These are the reported statements of Jesus about things that he considered important. So I disagree with this scholar. Maybe it's scholarly, maybe it isn't. But I know this much, that um, when, when a name is on a book, you have, you're in real, real intellectual difficulty to say that that name is a lie. I don't think Homer was a lie. I don't think Plato was a lie. I don't think Pliny was a lie. I don't think any people, they have their names are on their books and they're there for a reason because there's an extremely strong tradition associated with that book being by, written by that person. 
Now, let me let me respond to one other thing. I, so I disagree with modernity in this respect. Uh, I'm not prepared to say that the, the words of Jesus are lying fakes. He said things about himself and you can choose to say that he didn't say it or he somebody else said it or the the early church is some some uh shall we say um of a more liberal friends for word of a better word i'm using more liberal friends would say the early church created these words of jesus i don't think that's true i don't think what anybody is antiquity has very strong traditions they are extremely extremely strong and I am convinced that when someone's name is on a book, whether it's Homer, whether it's Plato, whether it's Aristotle, they wrote it because they because that is the strict, extremely strong tradition connected with that writing. I want to say two things about that. I think, um, uh, first of all, Jesus was Jewish. That's the first thing that has to be cleared up. And the all the disciples were Jewish. And uh, the. Uh, early church had many Jewish members. So um, I have no issue, the, the Christianity should have no issue with Judaism uh, because Jesus was Jewish, the disciples were Jewish, the many, many people at that time became Christians who were Jewish. Uh, so I, Judaism to me presents no difficulties. But I say this about Jesus. This is what I wanna say, he makes a claim Okay, he makes a religious claim. He made a claim to be God, essentially. That was his claim. You can, you don't have to believe it. You don't have to accept it. Uh, by the same token, uh, my uh, my uh, uh, Iman here uh, has claims that he wants to tell me about, and I'm I'm willing to listen about the claims of Muhammad, a hundred percent. So you know, but he did. I say he did make that claim. Uh, maybe it's a, uh, maybe for, for many people, it is a claim they regard as crazy or whatever, but he made the claim. And the second aspect of Jesus that we must grasp is his, his he, he, he said about, and I'm not anti-Semitic, I have, uh, I say Jesus was Jewish and the disciples were Jewish and most of the early church were Jewish, Jewish converts. Uh, Jesus made, um, said about, for example, let's take the, the story of the Good Samaritan. That's a very, very, very significant story, whether you believe it or not. Uh, he said here that a person, he doesn't want to judge people on an ethnic or racial basis. So by the same token, he set about to establish a new church, essentially. And he did not exclude Jewish people but he set about to include other people. That's a fact. Uh, and I wanna say one other thing about Jesus, the other aspect of him that's to be understood, that is his radical ethical claims. They are extremely radical, even for their time. He tells us not only to love our neighbors, which is tough enough, uh, to love anybody is tough enough, tell you the truth, as we all know. <laughs> but loving your neighbor is not easy. Uh, and I don't know what the word, what he means in using the word love. I'm not sure whether he, I don't think he means romantic love or obviously erotic love. I can't say what he means, but I think he means that people, we want to treat people with the same consideration and respect that we want to be treated. Maybe, maybe that's the correct interpretation, but he extends it, he pushes it. He pushes the ethics incredibly. He says, love your enemies. And now it's not easy, it's not easy. It's tough enough to love your neighbor. Loving your enemies is impossible. Uh, do you think, uh, I asked my friends here, do you think you love your enemies? Take a look at yourself. Do you really love your enemies? I don't think I do, particularly. I hope I don't have that many enemies. I'm not that important to have enemies. But I certainly uh, wouldn't know that I'm able to love them. And he says to pray for those who pursue. So he makes radical ethical claims. He really does. And those are the two parts of Jesus that have to be dealt with. And many, many, many people will accept these ethical claims. 
will will agree with them, uh, but they will part ways with Jesus, saying, "Working miracles and uh, and casting demons out of people and miracles." They will part ways with these religious claims. That's as much as I have to say, and I, I want to say this much to my uh, to Ashraf Nubani and to Rabbi Mac Harvey. For me, uh, I. Um, I see, for, for me as a Christian, I see my religious faith as reflected in all religions. In other words, to me, all religions represent some truth. And for me, Jesus, Jesus, as I am a Christian, I see Jesus in, in, in Muhammad. I see Jesus in Jewish people. I see the love, I see love, which we should show and share and exhibit. I, I see that in all religions. So I really don't think that there's all that this distinction about about religious differences. I don't believe they're quite true. I think I think for me as G, as a believer in Jesus, I see Jesus. I see Jesus and the Christianity reflected in all religions and all faiths. That's why I want to hear from from Iman Numani. And more from Mike Harvey about things that they think are important. Thank you, Andrew. Um, Ashraf, over to you on the how Islam views Jesus. Well, uh, thank you, uh, thank you, Sybil, for for this. And, and gentlemen, it's nice to uh, be with both of you. Um, so I'll very quickly, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll go over uh, the the Muslim uh, view of, of of Jesus, and then we can open uh, open up the the, the discussion. Uh, very simply put, that Muslims view uh, Jesus, uh, peace be upon him, as as a prophet and as a messenger. In fact, one of the five uh, outstanding uh, messengers that include a Abraham, Moses, uh, Prophet Muhammad, uh, Jesus, and uh, uh, the fifth one is Noah. Uh, and we believe that he was born of the Virgin Mary. Uh, we believe that he is the creative word of God, meaning that God said to him, be, and he was. If God created Adam without the need of a mother or a father, he can certainly create uh, Jesus, peace be upon him, without the need uh, of, of a father. We believe that he came with the same message as uh, previous prophets, uh, which um, is, is a message of the oneness of God, and that there should nothing is worthy of worship except God, and we believe that he was he came to the uh, to the children of of Israel uh, to 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 preach uh, that message and to alleviate some of the laws that were burdening uh, the, the the children of Israel at the time and the way that they were holding on to the laws. And Jesus, peace be upon him, came to focus more on the spirit uh, of the laws without destroying uh, the law. Um, and we believe that he's the Messiah. Uh, the Quran doesn't go into detail, but there are traditions and Islamic scholarship about what that means. And maybe we can go into that as well, because of the, I think the three faiths view Jesus as the, uh, uh, their view of Jesus as the Messiah will have different meanings. Um, um, and we believe that he was sinless. Uh, we believe that he was given uh, a, a book of revelation, the gospel. We also believe that he performed uh, many miracles, certainly major uh, miracles, but with, the, with God's permission, by the will of God. We don't believe that uh, Jesus, peace be upon him, was, was crucified. We do believe that he was raised uh, to God. Uh, and we believe that Jesus will return before the end of time uh, to, to sort of uh, set things straight. So we can get into, of course, issues of biblical um, uh, criticism and, 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 and so forth. Um, but I, I believe that Jesus, given that Muslims make up nearly one-fourth of the uh, population of the planet, and given that Christians revere him, uh, Jesus is the most revered human being uh, uh, of all times. Um, 
whereas Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, may be the most influential. Uh, I think that uh, Jesus, peace be upon him, is definitely the most uh, revered. Thank you for that. What qualifies the Judaic perspective uh, for someone to be a Messiah, Rabbi? Thank you. I, you know, I think if we look at it through a comparison, um, you know, the question that Jews receive from missionaries and others is, while you, why will you not uh, accept Jesus as Messiah? And the question comes down to um, a very simple distinction. The word Messiah, right, from Mashiach, from Hebrew, is a Jewish concept. And it means throughout um, not just first century and beforehand, but also in the rabbinic texts as well, God's agent who brings an end to war, famine, disease, discrimination, and suffering. Because uh, Jesus did not do away with any of these, uh, Jews cannot accept Jesus as Messiah, nor any historical figure as Messiah. Um, and I will say that Jesus is not the only what we would call false Messiah um, throughout history. Um, much later um, in the 17th century, we have Shabbat Zvi and Jacob Frank. Um, and even in the, um, within the last century, there are those that revere uh, the Lubavitcher Rebbe um, as a Messiah. But of course, within Judaism, because war exists, famine, disease, discrimination, and suffering, great deal of suffering, um, that does not align with the Mashiach concept that Jews invented. On the other hand, the word Christ, which is Greek for Messiah, this is a concept in which uh, this person is supposed to forgive sins or bring salvation, and that is a Christian idea, not a Jewish idea. And that is one that has redefined the Messiah's agenda away from what Jews intended when we originated this concept. So in other words, um, we have our own concepts of the Messiah. The reason why Jews reject Jesus among other historical figures as Messiah is because they do not fit within our mold of our invention of the idea of Messiah, which is a late invention. The Christian Messiah is a totally new concept. Um, there's um, Zoroastrianism in it, there's paganism in it, um, there's no concepts within Judaism of, um, of God having a son or being anthropomorphized in that way, um, there's no, nothing in Judaism about a second coming, um, none, of, none of these things are, are Jewish ideas, they're Christian ideas, and so it really comes down to that, um, and the fact that the Christian ideal of the Messiah um, does not align with the Jewish idea, and that's why we very simply reject it outright. Now, since I have your attention, Rabbi, for example, yes. you know, we talk about the miracles of Jesus, right? He turned water to wine, loaves and fish to abundance, you know, walked on water, cured lepers, yes. you know, raised the dead. We know all this. Um, why, how, do, again, how did, uh, you know, ancient Jews at that during that time, you know, many were witness to it and they accepted his miracles. What's the contr contrarian view on that? Wh why he would not be the Messiah? <clears throat> well, um, again, it, it, you know, asking about, um, you know, if you witnessed it is sort of the wrong question. One, we don't know if people witnessed it. And I, I have to respectfully disagree with uh, my friend Andrew um, in terms of the uh, ideas of antiquity and, and because we are ignoring the, the well-known concept of pseudepigrapha and that if you wanted to get a book read, you chose a name that would get it read. Um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, we now know that there's three authors of Isaiah that put Isaiah as the name and therefore would get read. How are you going to read these new biblical corpus that comes out in the first century? Well, you name them the apostles of Jesus, but they happen 42 years later, remember, uh, or 50 or 60 or 100 years later. And then you have to remember in first century time, that's a generation, maybe two generations. Um, and so um, there is great historical precedent um, and, and we, we can't align it with uh, mythology like Homer because Homer and those sort of things are not supposed to be inspired by God. So there's a great deal different from that mythology to this, but um, someone who is writing what I, what I teach, if you're trying to write uh, the biography of your grandfather, 
right? You're two, you're two generations later. You might have some stories. There might be some friends that are around, um, you know, but they're using the Hebrew text in front of them um, to build some of those stories and those narratives in that way. So the question isn't, um, you know, what about the miracles? Well, uh, if the miracles were written, you know, 40 years later, um, it's not about how that would have influenced people. There's no, um, from us, that's not a, you know, in the same way, um, the point of Exodus, reading Exodus is not, um, did it happen? Um, the point is, what is the point of the story, right? What is the idea of the sea splitting and the idea of the 10 plagues? Um, those are fruitful questions. Um, the ideas of did it happen is not so fruitful of a question because we know there's no archaeological evidence that we were ever in Egypt. Um, you know, so it, it leads you down a path of, of historical criticism or faith, and it doesn't go very far. Uh, you either say, I believe this or I don't believe that. That's the end of the discussion. However, if we were to discuss, you know, what is the what was the point of the gospel writers trying to create these ideas of miracles? What do they mean? What were they supposed to influence? What was the agenda? That's a fruitful conversation that we can have. And it's reflections back through typology of the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament, as, as Christians um, call it. Um, so it has no bearing on um, messianic power or anything like that. And again, um, but, to, but to shorten and answer that question, um, the Messiah in Jewish um, theology is human. So um, there is no connection to uh, you know, God being God or anything like that. Um, it's a king who's going to rule over. Um, the king dies sometimes, or there's a second king, or there's a second messiah, but it's not someone who performs um, miracles in that way. That's, a again, not a Jewish concept of a messiah. Thank you, Rabbi. Um, Andrew, I, I'd like to uh, hand it over to you, right? And I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, in the New Testament, you know, I think it was um, Peter who proclaims Jesus as the messiah, and the son of God, and there's other references as well. Um, but what, how do you respond to uh, the, the rabbi in that perspective? Let, let me say this, and I, I really uh, maintain my former position. Uh, these, these writers, report, they set about, I think, to report these events. Uh, and you have to look at it. It's, it's a very hard thing to say for many people either they reported them accurately or they're lying and making it up. I don't believe people are making up things. They're not making up stories. They're reporting events. I think now whether they reported it accurately or correctly, that, that I think is, the, is a factual reality of any book. If you're gonna read, if you're gonna read any book, you have to see what is that book saying to me? And it, the nobody, there is nobody in the world that is going to that is going to discredit that is that is going to take the position that the new, the gospel writers are lying and making up something. I don't believe that. I don't think it's true. I think they are attempting to report events as best they can. And let me say this about the prophets. What I think the rabbis talked about Isaiah. Many, many scholars say that um, there are different Isaiahs, as Woody said, that there's more than one. Uh, he wrote uh, different parts of it. I don't believe that's true because I know, uh, and I know it for a fact, that every writer, as he writes in, in the course of his life, his style will vary. That is a fact. When you look at any writer who's written enough, that, that writer's style will vary. It doesn't mean another person wrote it. I don't think so. And also, I don't think, again, I don't think that, the, uh, that, the, uh, that Isaiah is a lie, that he's lying about uh, what, he, what he's saying, and that other people are saying other things when using his name. There's no factual evidence of that. And as I say, there's a better theory and a better explanation is that that writer, that Isaiah, as he got older and as he developed his, his, his intellectual write, writing style varied. That I think is what happened. I don't, again, I don't accept discredited lies about somebody. I'm not prepared to say that there's more than one Isaiah. There's three of them. That 
I'm sorry, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take that lying position. He says he used the name Isaiah, he called himself Isaiah, he called himself the author, he's 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 seen to be the author. And uh as as you know, I write things. I hope I'm not lying about what I'm writing and taking it from somebody else, but I don't think Isaiah is doing that also. That's as much as I have to say. Ashraf, um, you mentioned that Muslims also believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, how do they derive that from? Well, they derive that uh, directly from uh, the Quran and also the, the Arabic word for Messiah is Masih. So it's very close to the, uh, to the Hebrew uh, pronunciation. And it, it, it means the anointed one. Um, and uh, the Muslim tradition uh, has, uh, uh, being that Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, didn't claim to be uh, a, a new prophet or bring a new religion, and neither did uh, the Quran claim that Jesus, peace be upon him, was bringing a new religion. Uh, it stems from uh, the prophets of old. And so the Messiah... Uh, can be the the king messiah that the Jews uh, were were looking for. It could be a prophet messiah. It could be a priestly messiah. And in fact, even even outside of the Jewish tradition, uh, Cyrus is referred to as, or there's uh, an indication that he was uh, a, a messiah because um, of his his deeds that were, um, uh, I guess, that were lauded in 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 the Bible. But for, for Muslims, uh, the, the Messiah means the anointed one. The Quran, want, God wanted to make it clear that, yes, he is the Messiah. And that's, again, to correct the idea that, that the children of Israel may have had as to what the Messiah should be and a clarification to the Christians of what the Messiah should be. He's neither uh, God nor is he... Uh, the awaited uh, Jewish uh, Messiah in, 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 in the sense that some of the Jews expected, um, but he, he did fulfill uh, prophecy and was, was, was the, the anointed one uh, of God. That's what Muslims uh, simply believe. I just want to, uh, just to say briefly regarding the, so we have, we, we have the, what the three faiths uh, believe about Jesus and what they say. And I think that we, respect each of our uh, views regarding that. But beyond that, it becomes an issue of, again, uh, as I said before, uh, biblical uh, uh, textual criticism uh, of what can be relied on and what can't. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I think that the Quran's view on the previous revelation is that previous revelation was given and that revelation was uh, corrupted over time uh, by the the deeds of human beings, and the Quran came as a protector, as an arbitrator, as sort the last word uh, over what is what what is right and what isn't right in those books. So I'm willing to look at the Bible, both the 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 Tanakh, uh, the, the the Jewish Bible, and the New Testament, um, and, and and look at them. Uh, objectively based on what they say. Um, we don't want to take, uh, I mean, we're not going to dismiss biblical criticisms, but I agree with, uh, I think, um, uh, our, our Christian guest here, uh, Har that, that, um, uh, that in, in, in the modern context, they're willing to, um, uh, they're, they're, they're not willing to accept anything that doesn't match with a sort of uh, secular, um, That's right. Uh, not just a secular view, but uh, a scientific view that if we can't see it, then it doesn't exist. I think that it's a combination of both faith and and reason on all of these issues. And so that's how I think that we, we can approach it is we, we would respect what each of us have to say based on our uh, faith traditions as to our positions. And then, of course, we can use reason and our intellect to 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 delve more into these uh, sources and, 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 and what they say. Sybil, could I just, I think the, uh, the Imam made a very good point. It's something that I, I wholly agree with him. I think you, if you are going to approach any, any religious book, whether the Koran or the Bible or whatever it is, text, whatever it is text, unless you are prepared to, unless you are prepared 
to discard secularism and to, to and as he said, and to uh, understand that these texts have a, maintain a supernatural position, unless you're, you're going to understand and approach the Bible and the Quran without understanding my opinion and my and civil, if you're gonna if you're gonna deny the supernatural character of these texts, which is the whole point of them, really, and whether it's miracles of the Bible, I'm not prepared to go into to to approach the Bible or the Quran from a totally scientific secular point of view. And therefore, if for me to understand what these texts are saying, I have to I have to understand that they maintain a supernatural reality. And unless you accept that, frankly, with all due respect, Sybil, you're wasting your time reading these books. <laughs> okay. Rabbi, did you have anything to add? Uh, well, <laughs> I, you know, uh, again, as I said, to have those positions, um, to, to deny biblical criticism, archaeology, literary criticism, understanding of intertextuality, redaction, uh, multiple authorships, the corruption of once the text gets in our hands, when we are fallible, to deny all of that, um, you know, and go into a text and just say everything makes sense in that way, um, that to me is not productive. It's not, um, you know, it's certainly it could build a very strong religion, but um, in many ways, it's putting your head in the sand. Um, in the same way uh, as a Jew and a rabbi, um, if I see that the only, uh, you know, the only evidence of interaction between Canaan uh, and Egypt is on the Egyptian steel, which shows that um, maybe it was more of a, um, a satellite sort of under control. We were, we were never in there. There's no evidence of that. Um, I'm not saying that there's arguments from silence. But there are sometimes that their silence is definite. Um, and also the fact that there are things that we can show from a Hebrew point of view. Um, as Andrew was talking about, that he is he believes that um, writers will change their style uh, uh, throughout. I mean, yes, that is possible. But if you look at the Hebrew and if you look at the evolution of Hebrew biblical prose and biblical poetry, um, if you look at the um, history of how things were written, Ugaritic, Babylonian, Canaanite, and things like that, the, the scholarship makes a much better case. But in order to do that, you have to allow yourself um, to begin to doubt the things that have been push, pushed inside the box. Um, Jews are for, first and foremost scholars. We question, right? We parse, parse things about apart. We tear things apart. And everything is still sacred. Um, there is nothing in Judaism which is a uh, creed. You have to believe this. And therefore, everything comes from that, right? That's just not how Judaism works. And so not only are we looking at these sacred texts, um, you know, through different eyes, but from a completely different perspective, um, there is so much to gain from adding the secular studies into this. And there's, I think there's such a great loss to simply sweep them out outright, Um and so obviously I, I disagree a great deal um, with our Christian colleague because I have studied up until my PhD how these things can uh, be tracked, whether it be instant poetry, old Hebrew, new Hebrew, Aramaic, these sort of things um, that most lay Christians or even Christian experts don't focus on. They focus on Greek and Latin and these sort of things. Um, and so what I'll say finally is that um, Jews are um, uniquely uh, there's, there's what I would say is there's a cognitive dissonance. Jews are uniquely have the ability uh, to distinguish um, and qualify Jewish ideas and messianic ideas. Um, and so the dissonance for some Christians um, is that, well, it's just a rejection. And, and I'll say that um, I'm not, I'm not particularly a fan of Andrew's use of the word lie, that it's a lie. That's a very malicious and um, a historical sense uh, of how things are written, that it's either true or it's a lie. Um, a lie is something that is um, very harmful and it has an agenda and those sort of things. That's just not how things were written. There's, there's things in, in antiquity, um, whether it be uh, mythology or our own um, ideas in terms of uh, uh, allegory, 
that are not lies. And so to, to put a lie, to put those things together in terms of truth and lie, um, it's a very stern and harmful way to look at texts. And it's just not open-minded enough for, for Jews. There's no such thing as this is the lie um, in, in Judaism. It's, you know, what is this trying to show? And that's a much more, I think, peaceful way to discuss our, our text. So for Abrahamic religions, you know, it's, they're uh, lauded as monotheistic religions, right? Belief in one God, God of Abraham, right? Um, however, you know, sometimes I'm challenged by it. I know a lot of people, you know, kind of wonder, you know, when, when we talk about the Trinity, right? Um, Heavenly Father, the Son, meaning Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I mean, is that compatible with monotheism, Andrew? Uh, well, I have to understand monotheism, you're right, in a sense it isn't, but I think that the, the Trinity uh, developed over time with a great deal of thought of people like Tertullian and Origen and people like that. These concepts were, were developed. And I think that the Trinity mean to me, the, in just my understanding of the Trinity is that God reveals himself in different, in different forms, different, different manners. Uh, it's not that, it, that there's not one God. It's that it is that that it is that the God reveal has is has a a, a presence, a, a differing presence. And let me say something else. When I said lie, I believe several. I believe in, in in telling the truth. And if you're going to take the position that Jesus didn't do these miracles and the gospel writers made it up later. I'm sorry, I can't accept that. It's a lie. You're saying these writers are lying. You're saying they're making it up. You're calling it mythology. Let me tell you one thing. There's a big difference between, between Zeus and Jupiter and, 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 and the mythology of Greece and Rome. There's a big difference between that and the elevated ethical, ethical statements of Christ. This man is no mythological figures. What he's saying is not mythology. He is saying very, very profound and significant statements that have affected people's thinking for a long, long time. And it's correct, the thinking should be corrected because he, he is saying to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He is advancing human thinking immeasurably. He is not mythology, this is not mythology. Mythology is the wrong word. You wanna look mythology, Read, read the uh, read Bullfinch's mythology. Uh, that's all right if you want to say that it's mythology, but I don't think it is. It's a big difference between the gospel reports and what I just described. Thanks, a Andrew. Big difference. Thanks, Ashraf. Uh, what's the view on um, the Son of God, Holy Spirit, Trinity, yeah, from um, the Muslim perspective? Of course, from the Muslim perspective, the <clears throat> there's a total uh, rejection of the deity of of Jesus, peace be upon him. There's no doubt about that from uh, from the Quran, and in that way, um, the the Muslim view and 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 the Jewish view is 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 in alliance definitely. Um, and and uh, and as I said, he's a, clearly a, a prophet with the descriptions that that I uh, stated earlier. I do want to say regarding this uh, back and forth. I mean, I'm willing as as a Muslim to treat the text as it is. So this is not to deny uh, Rabbi any of the the scholarship about uh, the, the 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 authenticity, the writers, uh, the issues uh, that come up. And at the same time, I believe that just from the context. We can we, we we can have a fruitful uh, conversation. So, like for example, Isaiah fifty three was mentioned. I think what the rabbi is saying that you know, according to biblical uh, textual criticism, uh, there is an indication that there, there is, uh, the different writers were involved in the uh, book of Isaiah, and the the um, um, uh, Harvey is saying that um, the, this this is not not the case necessarily, but it doesn't matter. Let's look at the text of Isaiah from a Jewish point of view, and I, I don't want to speak for the rabbi, but the the the, the, uh, the mention of the Messiah in in Isaiah fifty three is is definitely not the concept that Christians have. 
um, of, of, a, of a Messiah who will come to save mankind and uh, shed his blood and suffer and so forth. And so I think that we can, that we can agree with that. And even if we look uh, at the text of the New Testament, when, when it comes to the Trinity and the divinity of Jesus, uh, just from what I don't have to dismiss any of the texts as not being uh, historical or or um, or otherwise uh, to say that the text itself doesn't necessarily in you know in un, uh, un unequivocal terms states the Trinity or that Jesus sought worship um, for every verse that can be understood to lend uh, credence to the divinity of Jesus, there are multiple verses that, that do the opposite. The Father is greater than I. Um, uh, uh, Jesus didn't know the hour when he was asked about it. And that was, that's an issue that, that has always uh, stuck with me because in the, ver in the verse, and I think it appears in two of this, uh, the Synoptic Gospels, is that he said, when he was asked about the hour, he said, of the hour, uh, neither uh, the angels in heaven nor nor the Son of Man or nor, nor the the Son of Man knows when that is. So even if you believe in the the hypostatic union that Jesus was God and man at the same time, he could have answered that question differently by saying, you know, you don't need to know now. Don't ask. Uh, 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 God knows, but he he specifically said that. He did not know, which indicates to me that regardless of the high position you give Jesus in the New Testament, whether it's through the Gospels or through the writings of Paul, that he, he was less than divine, that he was somehow uh, sent or bound by uh, something greater than himself. When he went into the Garden of Gethsemane and he fell on the ground and he, he, he put his face to the ground, and by the way, in the Bible, in the Tanakh, the ones who were reported to have done that were Abraham. He put his face on the ground and he prayed. Moses put his face on the ground and he prayed. And Jesus put his face on the ground and he prayed. And he said, you know, Father, remove this cup from me, not as I would will have, but as you will have, meaning that it's up to you. And he was supplicating to, to, to God. So we believe, and by the way, Muslims are the only ones I know that the Jewish um, uh, our Jewish friends on the high holy days in Yom Kippur, they do that prayer where they put their face on the ground, but we still do that in the tradition of the, of, of, of the prophets. But there are indications, he said, I'm uh, to, ascending to my father, your father, my God and your God. For Jesus to have a God means that there's someone greater than, than him. And when he was asked, uh, um, what should I do to, to, to earn eternal life? He said to follow the commandments. He didn't. He didn't say the Trinity. He didn't say a sacrifice for for uh, you know that there had there would have to be a sacrifice. When he was when he when he was uh, called good, he said there is no good except the Father, so except except God, and the that comes directly from the text itself. So we don't have to. Uh, we we can debate uh, the 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 um, uh, sort of the 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 contextual criticisms uh, or the biblical textual criticisms but I think context is also important um, and 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 that's what we we should attempt to do to try to come to some sort of understanding so definitely we're there we don't believe that in in the Jewish context that uh, there is any basis for uh, this type of uh, dying Messiah um, and for many reasons, uh, because they wouldn't expect the Messiah to die. That would defeat the purpose of him coming to the Jewish people. And we believe that he was not uh, crucified, but we do believe that he will return. And he will return to preach that message that all of the prophets have preached. Uh, can I, Sybil, can I just ask the, um, Mr. Ashraf, I'm very interested in what he has to say, because I think it has great, great validity for me anyway. In, in in your faith, uh, are you an imam? Um, I mean, uh, as a lay imam, lay imam, yes. Okay, well, I want to ask you: in 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 the Muslim faith, is the is the Quran taken at its face statements as as its historical 
as a historical document or is it seen as a, uh, a later emendation by other people? No, no, definitely. So the, 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 the Quran, so even if we so let's talk about the um, what the experts say about the religious texts. What we do know about uh, the the Bible, the Old Testament, is that um, the Old Testament and, and 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 the New Testament, if I put them together, is that it's a it's a work that was compiled over a period of uh, approximately two thousand years, from the time of Moses to the time of of Jesus, and there's over forty different writers to the Bible. Some of those writers are known, and some of them are not known. So, like the rabbi mentioned, uh, there, 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 there are issues as to who uh, were the author of certain books, and some of them are pretty much agreed that those are the the authors. But there are forty over forty different uh, authors or writers that make up the the the, the Jewish and the, the the Christian Bible combined, and uh, and in a language, there's Hebrew, of course, for the Old Testament. Um, and and there's even different uh, different patterns of, of of the Hebrew given the way how they use the word Yahweh or 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 uh, uh, or, or, or God uh, the Lord in, in 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 Hebrew also indicates that there were different times for these writings, um, but also they were in different languages. Uh, you have Greek uh, for the New Testament at a time when jo when Jesus peace be upon him. In in, um, uh, in in first century Palestine would have probably spoken Aramaic in addition to his Hebrew uh, uh, training, and so you have that issue with the Quran. It's a it's a book that was given over a twenty three year period of the life of the Prophet Muhammad, uh, peace be upon him, from the age forty to about sixty three, when 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 he passed away. It's in one language. The author is one author. The claim is that God is the author. It was sent uh, via the angel Gabriel. And Muslim, um, the Muslim tradition takes the Quran literally. Um, their verses may be interpreted in different ways, but the book is accepted literally. What God says uh, that Moses said something or that uh, Jesus is the Messiah or um, that the, the, the saying something in, in, in the past, uh, we do take that uh, literally. There are, there, there are Muslims who identify with uh, Islam who may not take it literally. Um, as long as they're within the tradition, uh, uh, then there can be difference of opinion on specific issues. But in general, the book is taken uh, literally because of the claim that it's directly from God, that it was over a period of 23 years, that it was in one language and given to uh, one 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 prophet. So Thanks, uh, the um, you're saying that um, the the Quran is 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 taken at its face valuation. Yes, definitely. Rabbi, over to you. Um, and I, I assume that a lot of what Ashraf said aligns with how uh, Jews view. Trinity, Son of God concept. Yeah. Uh, is there a Holy Spirit uh, concept in Judaism? No, that is a Christian concept. Okay, good. All right, um, so I'd like to ask the last uh, one more question, uh, final question for the group. Um, you know, uh, Andrew, to chime in if I misspeak, uh, Christians believe that Jesus died for our sins, sins of humanity, because humans are born with the original sin of Adam. Um, how does let's start with you, Rabbi? Uh, how do is there original sin in Judaism? Uh, no, that is a Christian concept, a late Christian concept uh, that that changes the ideas of uh, the Book of Genesis uh, from its Christian from its uh, Jewish interpretation to a Christian interpretation. Um, uh, more more than that, Jews believe that people are responsible for their own actions, and so um, they must themselves repent as we do as um, as Ashraf said on Yom Kippur uh, to gain forgiveness no one can accomplish that for us um, God will accept even uh, imperfect repentance um, so any idea that people are so sinful that God personally must die for them is, is not Jewish uh, we don't hold that we've all inherited some original sin and need offer satisfaction none, none of that's 
interesting to uh, of interest to to Jews. The idea that um, that God's creatures that God creates um, are imbued with sin and need to be saved changes the entire perspective of birth and death and living on this plane versus the next one. Um, Jews are not interested in um, in living in a uh, a world where the only point is to get to the next one. Nor are we uh, would we accept any any God uh, that would uh, use hell as an incentive to make them moral. Uh, Jews are moral because it's the proper way to live. Um, unlike fear or uh, what we would call in psychology, uh, negative reinforcement, um, you know, to be a good person for the right reasons is a fine incentive. And we would deny uh, the ideas of hell or, or the reward of heaven as sort of barbaric in terms of um, we, we live on this earth um, and we are imbued with free will, right, to, to do what we want uh, and do what we need to do as stewards of the earth. Um, if the choice is presented to us as you are saved by Jesus or you go to hell, that's not Jewish concepts of free will. Uh, there's no free will in that. It's, it's, uh, it's somebody holding a gun to your head and said, be good or, or don't feel free. Um, and so all of that is not interesting uh, to us as, as Jews. Um, and, um, and I think, you know, it's fine for other people to have those concepts, but as history has shown, um, it, it doesn't lead to great, great things um, in terms of fearing hell or sending people there or all the genocide that has happened against Jews in that way. History shows that that concept is, is extremely harmful. Um, whether that's a uh, direct concept taken from the scripture or a misunderstanding of the concept is irrelevant. The fact is the Crusades, the pogroms, the Holocaust, the, um, all the laws and things like that show that it, that it happened. Um, and so that's something that we have to address as well. Can I ask the rabbi a question? Rabbi, you know better than me, what is this world consist of? You know there have been six or seven genocides in the past hundred years. You know that. The reality of evil and sin is compelling. It is not a primitive or barbaric system. It is a recognition of reality, whether people murder each other, whether they are harmful in their marriages, whatever they say things that are hurtful to people. This is a constant reality in the entire world. This world, the Christian concept of this world is, is has a problem with sin. I think it's a reality. It is a compelling reality. The reality is so great, people are so bad that they will murder each other wholesale. There were five million kulaks killed by Stalin, middle-class landowners. That's what goes on in the world. You know this, Rabbi. And therefore, the Christian concept of sin is, an, I think, is a true and accurate concept I think it's it's something that explains this horrible situation we live in. That's not really a question, Andrew. And, and what I'll say is, um, I'd like to mention, I do have to head out soon, is that I think language is really important. And um, throughout this panel, um, Ashraf and I have been very careful to say, this is what Judaism believes, this is what Islam believes, or what Muslims believe, and things like that next to Andrew, your tone, which is, this is how it is. I didn't say that. It. I said, this is, I'm and very, very. Things like, um, you know, no, it's a lie. Nobody would think this, this is not rational. And I just want to make sure that when we are involved in these discussions, that I'm feeling a great deal of, um, of respect coming from my Muslim friend here saying, this is what, um, you know, Islam believes. Um, and this is very similar or it's different from what Judaism believes. Coming from our Christian friend, on the other other hand, you deny things outright and say, no, this is not rational and I, it's compelling or whatever it is. You're not saying this is what Christianity or Christians believe. And that's something that I try to instill in my interfaith work is that adding things like we believe, I believe, um, takes the sharpness out of discussion. And I'd highly recommend that in the future, if you'd like to sit with people of multiple faiths, who will be respectful enough to say, this is what we believe, not this is how it is. Um, we don't care about, you know, this is compelling. This is about belief and faith um, that um, you take away that tone 
um, which is uh, a little invasive, which is sort of uh, and problematic. And so to and also to deny the ideas of Christian genocide with the ideas of sin is, is insulting. Um, the blood of my ancestors cry out from the ground uh, from the church. I just said, Rabbi, people Rabbi, I was just in the name saying, of Jesus. I was just saying and arguing for the Christian concept of the, to me, it is obvious. Any person who looks at what's going on in the world, they will conclude correctly. There's a big, big problem. Well, that's that's fine, but that does not uh, that does nothing for the Jewish victims of the Crusades, the Holocaust, the Inquisition. Um, that does nothing for us. The ideas that the church stood behind these are really what is what is worthy of discussion, and that to murder and commit genocide and torture and rape and steal were Christian concepts throughout history for people carrying the cross. So that ideas of of sins are not particularly helpful to the victims of Christianity is what I'll say. So I would just suggest a little bit more um, sensitivity when speaking to a Jew as a Christian in terms of uh, the ideas of sin, because there is no one has killed more Jews in the entire last 2000 years than Christians. Um, and so the ideas of love is sort of laughable to a Jew. OK, and so to, to have it as um, so definitive in that way um, is a great insult to the Jews and their families and ancestors. Um, who have had I wasn't to attacking Jews, Rabbi. I wasn't focused. No, no, on I don't Jews. think you're attacking I Jews. I was simply. I'm, and I, I'm just not attacking A little more anyone. sensitive in your wording and in your tone. Well, I um, believe in in hitting the facts and hitting the truth. If it's insensitive, it's too bad. If I. If yeah, I mean, Ashraf. Yes. What is the Muslim perspective on salvation, Ashraf? Ashraf. Can we be saved, Ashraf? <laughs> And I think, you know, and I think, you know, this it's it's really good to have uh, an honest uh, conversation. And I appreciate uh, both both speakers. And I think um, 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 that you know, there there's sincerity in 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 what each is saying. And I I do mean that uh, also with with sincerity. I I, I would say this uh, regarding uh, same thing. We do not believe in in original sin. It's very clear in the Quran and the 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 Islamic concept that. He who created us knows us best, and we turn to him in repentance, and he for, he forgives. Along the lines of the prodigal son, it, it doesn't require a, a, a you know a blood sacrifice. Now, having said that, I do believe that there are many, many, many Christians throughout history who have been sincere, but when you have um, this idea of original sin um, and an atonement, and God pays for it then there's no forgiveness. God paid for it. And so some, some Christians throughout history have taken this uh, as a sort of license. And I think that that has led to tragedy. Definitely, there's no doubt about it. And that's why God uh, um, is making uh, this clear that the children of Adam were, were dignified by the creation of God. They can commit sin or they can do great things if they so choose and this is the way that that that, that we view it i also want to um to say that's why you know i'd like to make an argument for having uh, uh muslims to rule over jerusalem because we believe in all of the biblical prophets and we believe in jesus but both jews and christians do not accept prophet muhammad and therefore we would then have an issue rabbi that they wouldn't accept um you know uh, they wouldn't accept our prophet and so and 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 i do mean this uh both both uh, um you know as a way to end it hopefully on 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 a good note but also in a serious sense that we've lived together for so long um i believe that we can con continue to 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 do that while holding our our uh, views and the Quran is very clear about that. That you know the children of Israel were given uh, these books, and it's up to us as human beings to decide how to deal with the revelation of of, of God. I think if all I want to religion, say, Sybil, I didn't want to offend anybody by taking no, no, I, I no, I made you. 
No, not at all. I don't think anybody's offended here. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, no. but I think it's a three religions. Quite, just... quite a bit more to offend me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I'm not anti-Semitic. I really am not. I, I'm, I'm not accusing you of that, Andrew. I'm, no. I'm saying in terms and of interpretation. As far as I, I was interested okay. in the Iman, uh, what he had to say, because I said I respect, to me, all faiths represent the love of Christ. For me, I, I'm a Christian. I believe in Christ is God. Okay, you don't have to. But I think all, for me, all faiths represent to me truth. Yeah, I think if all three religions just focused on the commonality, which is the one God, true God, the highest right. and most That's exalted, right. I think we can all agree on that. Right? Okay. Let's circling right. back to Jesus, you know, if you view him as a messiah, as a prophet, as a human teacher or a revolutionary, uh, like we said in the beginning of the episode. Um, thank you for listeners. If you want to get in touch with any of our panel speakers or scholars, you can uh, look at my podcast cover and their website is uh, right there and you can contact them through the website. Rabbi Mike Harvey, uh, Andrew Shatkin, Ashav Nubani, thank you so much. And for our listeners, thank you for listening to Mystics and Skeptics. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on Amazon Music, Spotify, Patreon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in and stay in peace, everyone.